Good morning and welcome to Backstory with me, Noreen Mayer. In Backstory, you can hear the childhood stories and some growing up experiences of some familiar voices you have heard on Radio 3. Well, joining us for this week's program is renowned writer, social and political commentator, and possibly one of the few guests who can talk about any topic we throw at him. Let's welcome to the program, Chip Cho. Thanks for joining us, Chip. Hello, good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so let's rewind um, a few years and get back to your childhood. Um, you're a Hong Kong boy through and through. You, you were born and raised here. Were your parents also from Hong Kong or how did they end up in Hong Kong? Well, my parents, like most uh, in their generation, fled from China to Hong Kong in late 1949. Right. Uh, my father was uh, born and brought up in uh, the city of Nanking. And in the year of 1949, he was just about to get into a local university in that city. And on the very opening day, right, uh, Nanking uh, had just been occupied by the communist army. And on the opening day, uh, he was summoned to an assembly hall. And on the stage came up a very low-ranking Communist Party official who... uh, wore a sort of a shabby Maoist uh, suit or something. He uh, stood in front of a microphone, cleared his throat deliberately, making some rather undesirable noise, and then in front of a few hundred of of new university or college students, he uh, spitted out, right, a... Uh, a, 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 a a huge, a, a huge uh, uh, mass of spittle. And then he told all those young boys and girls there, you remember from now on, I am your master. And my father was sort of uh, shocked. He went home and his father, that means my grandfather, asked him, what did they teach you today? It was the first day. You know, I, I feel rather curious to know now we, we live in a new era of uh, idealism. And my father told him what he saw. And my grandfather was, you know, he went pale. He said, stop going to that college anymore. I want you to pack up and go to Hong Kong. I've got a, 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 a cousin there who is now married to a uh, very rich uh, a textile uh, businessman who has just fled there from Shanghai. Now, I'm going to write you a letter. You bring a suitcase with you, a few clothes, and you go there immediately. That's how my father came to Hong Kong. Okay. What about your mother? Well, my mother, well, she fled from Hangzhou, a nearby city. I think she was the eldest uh, sister of a family of eight and uh, her exodus or her or her immigration into Hong Kong was not that dramatically exciting. She was simply being the elder sister, and uh, she had to look after the, uh, the, the the brothers and sisters. And so she came to Hong Kong thinking that it was a British colony. She would get better pay so that she would uh, just send some money back. Right? She didn't mention a lot, you know, why. Uh, she came, but I think like millions of them or tens of thousands of them, she just came. 
Let's talk about um, you, you come from a family of writers, uh, Chip. I, I read somewhere that your your father was a vice chief for Taikung Pao and your mother was also an editor there as well. My father was uh, the editor of the uh, World News uh, section, right? And then later he was uh, given the post of deputy uh, editor, right? And there was how far he could go. In order to be an editor, you had to be a member of the Communist Party. And uh, he wasn't. He has never been. And he would not be deemed as well qualified because he learned Japanese. Because he, <laughs> when during he the Japanese? nine, oh, he learned Japanese in the 60s by himself. Because I, I believe that briefly before he came down, uh, before he went to that college, I think he had worked briefly with a Japanese firm, you know, which was a bit of a mystery, you know, where he learned uh, at the Morse, you know, telegraph, yeah. right, the telegraph uh, code. It's very so, spy-like. Well, no, no, it wasn't. I, I'm sure it wasn't spy. I think he was doing some sort of translation or something. And then after he joined uh, Ta Kung Pao, I think, of course, and that special piece of CV would just remain on the record and became a knowledge uh, to his political superior. And then, uh, naturally, he would not be trusted. Interesting. <laughs> so both your parents work for a quite quite a pro-Beijing um, newspaper. Did that have any influence on you growing up? Well, during the 1950s, uh, being pro-Beijing was a, th- a, th- a romantic thing. Uh, I think uh, a whole generation of the intellectuals, especially uh, from Shanghai, uh, it was just like Cambridge students in the 1930s uh, who had rather romantic illusion about Stalin's Soviet Union, right? They were so gullible, right? And then they came down and in the 1950s, yes, big things had already begun to happen there, uh, intellectuals were being uh, reformed, some being persecuted, but most uh, intellectuals in Hong Kong uh, s- would still give Chairman Mao a chance, or as they say, some more time for him to experiment, right? <laughs> and of course, there were other intellectuals who were Chiang Kai-shek's followers and believers. So in Hong Kong, it was a very bipolar uh, community culturally and and uh, politically, and of course I was influenced. They came back every morning at about four o'clock with a fresh version of the Tan Kong Pao newspaper, and then I opened the newspaper. I was rather curious because on the front page there were always good news, right? Uh, good harvest for cotton, right, and. Uh, and the good news of the great productivity of uh, steel, right? And things like that. But their feature section was rather interesting because Ta Kung Pao had attracted quite a, a crowd of top-class elite and uh, good writers, commentators, martial arts novelists such as uh, Louis Cha, uh, who worked for Ta Kung Pao until the year of 1959. And all these columns... And commentaries were very uh, alluring to read. You know, I would compare them to uh, uh, most columnists or writers in the Daily Telegraph or the Sunday Times. So 
It was very inspiring to me. There were columns about classical Chinese literature, Chinese geography, world affairs, you know, a bit of、uh, British constitutional history, and that feature section was still very liberal because of these、uh, intellectuals and writers who had just fled from、uh, Shanghai, who were who were very well learned, you know, who had degrees from Yanjing University, Saint John's Universities, who had a very broad horizon of the world. Yeah. So I would call that the very origin of、uh, my inspiration. You see, if they fled China, why do they still have such a romantic notion of China? Then that has been remaining a bit of a mystery to me. If most of them were still alive, if I met them, I would ask them the same question. Because did you ever ask your parents? No, I didn't get. Well, I asked my. I tried to ask my parents, but they sort of.、Uh, You know, side, side, and then remain silent, because things got worse in the 1960s, the Cultural Revolution, and I remember there was this guy called Li Chongying, who was the ed- editor of the English version of uh, of uh, Tang Kong Pao. Right? They had an English version. Yes, they had a, 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 an English version. You ask Leo Gustad or some very uh, uh, veteran. Uh, Uh, experts here, like LC Two, they could have read it. And Ta Kung Pao uh, was uh, was、um, at that time、uh, managed by a、uh, a very dodgy businessman, politician, and a very charismatic guy called、uh, Fei Yiming, right? And then Li Chongying and his colleagues, well-known colleagues, invited my father and me to his home on Robinson Road for dinner. And for drink from time to time, and they were talking about, well, the latest、uh, cinematic version of Hamlet. They were talking about ballroom dancing, wars, you know, the classical music of Mozart,、um, Tang poetry, wow, Peking opera, and I was really impressed. They were all persons of extreme erudition. And as a kid, I thought these people have very good taste. And how come during the day, they went to the newspaper office to work, and when they were given news pictures like Jiang Qing's Red Guards, you know the kind of uh, 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 revolutionary Peking opera, as、uh, produced by Jiang Qing and Mao Zedong. And the ransack and the demolition of all the old temples, or the Confucius、uh, birthplace, birthplace, or that sort of things, would they have endorsed it? Would they have endorsed things like the Cultural Revolution, which was a violent campaign destroying every aesthetic and cultural value they loved and they embraced during their private time, you know? And that has been. A bit of a mystery to me. I mean, honestly, mark,、yeah. I'm dying to ask any one of them: Had they still been alive today? Did they really believe in what they were doing? <laughs> yeah. But I, I suppose, yes, I think they did. But they were torn apart because I remember in the nineteen in nineteen seventy two, my father gave me a a, a film ticket. I remember. That was the President Cinema in Manchai. 
He said, "Look, Chip, I want you to go to watch this movie by yourself. It is、um, half past seven this evening, and the film was Doctor Zhivago, right?" He said, "Look, I want you to watch it by yourself, quietly, and think about it, right?" Wow! So I did, and then I came back, and my father asked me, "What do you think about it?" I said, "It was a good film. It was rather a British、uh, version of、uh, a British、uh, version of viewpoints to communism, to tyranny, dictatorship." And I asked my father, "Why do you ask me? Why did you ask ask me to go to see that film? You had never bought any ticket, and asked me to go to a specific film. You have been taking me to Disney uh, uh, cartoons, right? Uh, Westerns, right? Yes, Ben Hur and all that sort of thing." And he said, "Yeah, well, you know, I want you to think about it." So at that moment, I felt. Uh, it's a, a sort of unspoken sadness, you know. I felt that yes, that was a subtle message that、uh, he felt he had been betrayed by his idealism, by what he believed in, together with his colleagues, right? Because I think yes, later I heard Li Chongying and other、uh, Ta Kung Pao people talking about this、uh, David Lean. And his films, you know, Lawrence of Ar- Ar- Arabia, Arabia, and uh, and uh, Doctor Zhivago, you know, thinking that these were classics, right? And at the same time, their colleagues, you know, Li Chongying came from Yanjing University, and his former classmates were historians,、mm-hmm. poets, his own brother, a great painter. They were all beaten up by the Red Guards, persecuted. Some of them killed and executed. So I thought, you know, with why hindsight, they must have been torn apart by this kind of, you know, radical doctrine、uh, they once believed in. You know,、yeah. they joined the wrong. They they were on the wrong side of the history. To borrow a famous quote of uh, by uh, President Clinton, you know. Yeah, wow, that's a really that's a really deep childhood story. And then your father wanted you to sit and watch that film by yourself,、yes. Chip. Maybe sometimes he couldn't express those words himself, and he needed that film to 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 give you that message. So let's talk. You brought along a song with you. You brought along the Beatles,、uh, a song by them called "Yesterday." Shall we talk a little bit more about、yes. it? What is it? Why is it significant to you? Then, Because、Jim? the Beatles came to Hong Kong in 1966, and they staged a live performance in a in a theatre.、Uh, I think on Nathan Road in TSD. Uncle Ray of Hong Kong Radio、uh, interviewed the Beatles, and、uh, their arrival, you know, caused a bit of a sensation. Uh, Hong Kong girls went mad receiving their icons, you know. Just like、uh, Paul, Paul McCartney and John Lennon, as they descended from the plane, it was just like the second coming, and it was reported by Ta Kung Pao at that time. I remember it was、uh, allowed. It was allowed to report because there was before the Cultural Revolution, and then I, I just read the, that news story, and I felt so curious. You know, what kind of pop music band it was. Uh, why it was so、uh, it, 
why it uh, it caused uh, such a social sensation, and then soon later, uh, something similar happened in China. You know, across the nation, Chairman Mao's you know uh, deification, uh, Chairman Mao's cultural revolution. So the two incidents happened almost at the same time, and uh, yesterday I think the song right uh, brought me back to that turbulent. Uh, Chapter of my own history. Right. Well, let's have a listen to the song then. Would you say you had a happy childhood?、Uh, did you do well at school? It wasn't too bad. Well, compared with、uh, compared with my peers, you know, I had a very unique childhood because um, uh, uh, my parents sent me first in 1964 to True Light、uh, Primary School on Taihang Road. And then I was there, growing up as a happy primary school boy, until 1966. Without my consent, my parents moved me to、uh, Puikil, right, the left-wing school. Yeah, I didn't have a clue why I had to leave the original school. I was happy there. I liked the headmistress and all the teachers there. And then. How、uh, old were you when you was, was, was it、uh, middle school you moved or I was, was eight, eight years old. So it was slap bang in the middle of your primary school yes, years. Yes, and because they were under pressure from their superior, from their boss in Takung Pao,、no、because、way. the Cultural Revolution was looming near, and the radical communist thoughts were prevalent in Takung Pao. You know, the virus of ISIS, you know, started spreading, and then these、uh, respectable cadres, you know. In Tagung Pao, instructed、uh, that all staff must send their children send their children to communist patriotic schools. Otherwise, it、you、would be seen、job. as no, no, no. It would be seen as an act of I don't know. I wouldn't say treason, but unpatriotism,、mm. right? They never said that you would get the same. I mean, I thought with hindsight, if I were them, you know, if I lost my job, and so what? I mean, Hong Kong. St- Hong Kong at that time wasn't a city of people's commune. You know, you could try, you know, finding a job somewhere. But at that time, I think yes, it was rather difficult because with the CV, you know, with the working CV, Tan Kung Pao, it was most li- unlikely that he would get a teaching job from a government-sponsored、uh, secondary school. So they lived pathetically, I would say. You know, rather frankly, they lived. Pathetically, in their own closed community, which consisted of half a million of people, you know, together with families and children, and they could go nowhere. It was just like living in Gerrard Street in London, that tiny Chinatown. I mean, it was just like that. Hong Kong was just like that. Yeah, which I think was rather amazing. <laughs> How did that impact your childhood? And、then? this is the kind, the side of Hong Kong. I would say LC Two found someone like LC Two found extremely curious about and sympathetic with. Right. That was the Hong Kong you grew up with, though. That was that was the, the side of Hong Kong you grew up with, or did you sort of cross the bridge yourself? Well, I mean, I remember when in 1970. My mother took me to Canton, as it was called, and Guangzhou, as it's known today. Yeah. 
to uh, to uh, um, visit her cousins, and they took me to a cinema and watched a Chinese revolutionary film. It was a film about spy catching or something, and then, and there was this evil character who was uh, uh, an agent from South Korea who told uh, who told um, someone else in the film now when we. When you succeed in sabotaging this、uh, factory, we would get you to uh, to uh, uh, South Korea, you know. And then after the film, I we came out and I asked, I I told, I asked my mother rather innocently. I said, "Yes, I learned from my textbook, the capital of Korea is Seoul." And then my mother, you know, was so shocked, and she just slapped me in the face straight away. She said, "Keep quiet! How dare you say that?" You know, and her cousin said, "No, the capital of Korea is、uh, Pyongyang. You know, that is a knowledge, common knowledge. You know,、wow. stop making up things." I felt, you know, very angry. This is the sort of geographical knowledge I picked up from my primary school textbook. Why did I give him this slap in the face? And then my mother grabbed me when she got home, and she said, "Look, you mustn't have said that, because there was this crowd coming out of the cinema. There were Communist Party members there. You uttered just a piece of fact, which was politically incorrect, right? If someone overheard it and reported it to the police station nearby, we would all get into trouble, right? And that was my first lesson." Of Chinese politics, and I felt angry at that time. Right? <laughs> did that shape your rebellion? Yes, I think it did. Right? I think what's the point? What's the point to live the rest of my life like my parents? Right? Were you ever angry with them? Once, very briefly, as a teenager, I thought, "Wow, you know, I mean, their life was so mediocre." So humdrum, and、um, after I read some, you know, romantic poetry like Lord Byron and Shelley, and、uh, as a teenager, you know, my blood started, you know, seething, right, <laughs> rather briefly, right, <laughs> and、uh, yes, and then the Takung Pao was very active during the the so-called anti-colonial British riots in the nineteen sixty-seven. But they were never active; they were sort of bystanders, you know, because they knew it was rather—it looked rather stupid wearing a white shirt, wielding your little red book, taking onto the street to march, you know, and calling for the end of colonial rule, you know, and because they came from a rather different background, you know, and they was—they would have thought,、uh, let the workers. And the hawkers, you know, organized by the local Communist Party, do that sort of things. It's not my cup of tea. However, I thought, well, you know, things were going terribly wrong against common sense. Things happening in China, right? When Chairman Mao uh, uh, perched further, perched more intellectuals and historians and whatever, and even the Premier Chou Enlai was having a very difficult time. Because Ta Kung Pao was under the political influence of Chou Enlai, because Fei Yiming, as I said, the, the name I dropped earlier, was a, a, a protege of Chou Enlai, and Chou Enlai at that time was uh,、um, 
being rounded up by Jiang Qing and her radical、uh, Maoist clique. So even working in Takungpao, they had this political pressure, right, in、uh, choosing the words for the headlines or whatever, because it was being closely watched by some Communist Party superior from the Xinhua News Agency, right?、Yeah. I had no idea.、Um, I mean. I, at first, I thought you were very liberal. I mean, liberal-minded because your parents sort of groomed you in that way. And then I read up that your parents actually worked for Taekwong Pao. And then now I can sort of see the opposite. Yeah,、so. I mean, I'm a cocktail, right? I think I've got some liberal values and certainly some conservative values because、uh, this sort of influence I I picked up uh, from. Uh, Living in Britain during the 1980s when Margaret Thatcher was prime minister,、yeah. right, and also that part of uh, of uh, I would say British conservatism was a kind of backlash against my I wouldn't call it liberalism、mm -hmm. uh, by the kind of、um, dark influence of、uh, Maoist communist dictatorship in in my childhood. Uh, in the 1960s,、yeah. yes. Right. Let's before I let you go, Chip. What are some of your hobbies? You must have a, a, a number of different types of hobbies. I like I like paintings, and I enjoy I enjoy skiing, a bit of a diving too, although I'm not that professional. I never had the licenses because <laughs> you never、uh, had the license my... to dive. Can <laughs> you go diving? Yes. One of my <laughs> dreams is、uh, to spend some of my retirement days in the Caribbean. You know. And then do some diving, you know. And I, I really long for the kind of、uh, brief period called the wilderness years、uh, of、uh, Winston Churchill, a ten years break for me to be a backpacker or long traveler, putting myself on exile in a quiet corner. In the world, you know, South Africa, whatever, to do a bit of painting and a bit of reading, and perhaps have enough time to do a PhD dissertation on the on the East and West. This is my dream, right? Yeah, wow, that's a very cultured sort of dream. <laughs> Are you thinking of a five-year plan starting in a few years' time? Yes, I'm. I'm. There are plans. You know, I'm sort of uh, uh, drafting, right? For my post sixty、uh, life, right, <laughs> and now you know medical science you know, just prolong human life so uh, uh,、um, uh, dramatically.、Yeah. So I live. I I I I think I believe that、uh, we have a, a good future.、Yeah. Right? Chip, what a pleasure to speak to you this morning. Thank you for all the journeys you've taken, myself and our audience this morning, and. Best of luck for your for your retirement plans, and we look forward to hearing all of them. Thank you.